Guys, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Ezekiel. We're going to look at a couple of passages of scripture here, and then we're going to jump into the, 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 the latter portion of this particular teaching. We're going through, we're surveying the book of Ezekiel, not going verse by verse, but we're looking at the climate. We're looking at the scenario of what was transpiring uh, during uh, Ezekiel's writing of this particular book. And we and you though, that have been with us for the first couple of times that we've we've shared with you, we we let you know that Ezekiel, uh, along with some of the other Israelites, were in captivity at this time. And during this captivity, uh, Ezekiel was studying to be a priest in around the age of 30 years old when it's customary that uh, the priesthood, uh, you begin to walk in that particular mantle. God changed his program of work. God changed his assignment. Amen. How many of y'all ever had God change your assignment before? Amen. When you thought it was going to be here, but God says, no, you know what? I'm going to put you over here. So his his assignment went from being a priest to being a prophet. He went from being a priest to being a prophet. As I said with you uh, a couple of Sundays ago, uh, priests were more popular than prophets. Prophets were not liked very well because prophets came and declared what thus said the Lord. And many times when prophets came to share what God saw in the lives of the believers and when he pointed that out, they didn't like this. Similar to many of us, when when people who love us very dearly and want the very best for us, tell us the truth about ourselves. We normally get mad with them, don't don't we? Come on. Can, can we be, can we be honest? Most of us don't like to be told about our sins. We're quick to point out everybody else's stuff. Come on. Anybody here married? All the married couples, if you've been, if you've been married past a month, well, maybe, maybe the honeymoon lasts a little bit long. But, but if you've been married any prolonged period of time, you understand what I'm, what I'm talking about because the person who lives with you sees you at your worst. When most of the time we see you at your best, we see you with the mask on at work. We see you with the mask on at church. But that person who lives with you sees you, and when they begin to point out those faults, sometimes it doesn't feel very good. And what we do, we become defensive. So we see Ezekiel being uh, given the mantle of a prophet, and he and, and God calls him to the arena. So let's go back, if you will, to that third chapter, and then we're gonna flip over to the, the chapter that that most of us are familiar with. It's the thirty-seventh chapter, I believe, where Ezekiel talks about the dry bones. Amen. So if you will, go with me right quick, Ezekiel, the third chapter. Uh, and look at verse number four, Ezekiel, the third chapter, verse number four. Glory to God. The Bible says this. Then he said, son of man, go to the people of Israel and give them my messages. Read on. I'm not sending you to, to a foreign people whose language you cannot understand. No, I'm sending you to people with strange and difficult. No, I'm not sending you to people with strange and difficult speech. If I did, they would listen. Verse seven. But the people, come on, of y'all not reading with me. Are y'all reading out loud and on purpose? It's good to hear the word articulated from your mouth, okay? Because death and life is in the power of the tongue. And just thinking about it ain't good enough. You got to speak it, amen? What did Jesus say? He says, thou shalt say unto this mountain, be thou removed. Not think unto this mountain. Say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart. But if you believe that those things which you say are going to come to pass, you'll have whatever you Okay, so let's read. It says, but the people of Israel won't listen to you any more than they listen to me. This is God talking to his prophet. He says, for the whole lot of them are hard hearted and what? And stubborn. Let's go to verse eight. Come on, let's read. But look, 
I have made you as obstinate and hard-hearted as they are. Amen. Verse 9. I have made your forehead as hard as the hardest rock. He's talking about Ezekiel the prophet. He says, I, I got to make you hard-headed because when you talk to stubborn, hard-headed people, you'll get discouraged very easily. Can I get a witness? Any of y'all work with stubborn, hard-headed people? Do they, do they get you discouraged? So here's, here's what I need you to do. Before you go back to work on tomorrow, say, Lord, make my head hard. Come on, say it again. Say, Lord, make my head hard. Because I deal with some stubborn and rebellious people. All right, so God will give you a hard head so you won't get discouraged and you'll keep on doing what you've been assigned to do. Amen? Come, let's go. Let's read the next verse. I made your forehead as hard as the hardest rock, so don't be afraid of them or fear their angry looks, even though they are rebels. Look at the next verse. That's what? Then he added, son of man, let all my words sink deep into your heart first, listen to them carefully for yourself. So what God tells Ezekiel the prophet is, before you go and try to tell somebody else what God says and what the word says, you got to get the word down in your heart first. Amen. Eat it. Watch what he says here. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Verse number 11 says what? Let's go. Then go to your people in exile and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Do this whether they listen to you or not. Amen. Whether they listen to you or not. Go to, Psalm, go to Ezekiel the 37th chapter right quick and let's take a quick look at that. And we're going to move on into the rest of our, our text. You should have gotten a, an outline from the ushers from some sermon notes here. So you can, you can flow with me today. You don't have to write a whole lot. Okay. The text says this in Ezekiel the 37th chapter. Uh, in verse number one, Ezekiel 37, verse number one. Are y'all there with me? It says what? The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. Okay, to a valley filled with bones. Let's go. Next verse says what? He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. The KJV says, can these bones live again? So our subject is, it's time to live again. Everybody say, it's time to live again. Now, we know the scenario. God's people were in captivity because of their what? Disobedience. They were in captivity because they refused to listen to what God had to say. They refused to take his word and place it down in their hearts and begin to govern their lives by it. So here we see in captivity, God has given them a word, and God even told Ezekiel, they're not going to listen to you, but when you leave, they're going to know a prophet has been among them. He said, they're hard-hearted and they're stubborn and rebellious, and they're not going to listen, but you got to preach it anyhow. Everybody say, preach it anyhow. Now, we look at your outline. We said that. We gave you some points. The subtopic of this message is we must obey God. Everybody say, we must obey God. The first thing we said was God's people are to proclaim his message regardless of the kind of response that is expected. Regardless of whether or not they listen, we have an assignment to speak it. Is that right? Yes. 
So God's people are to proclaim his message regardless of the kind of response expected. We said speak it boldly. Uh, we won't go speak it boldly. He said God gives us boldness, right? Boldness comes from God. Because there are some times when you're dealing with situations and you're dealing with people, you and your own strength uh, may be a little bit fearful, right? Maybe you're a little bit intimidated, whatever it may be. But when you are on assignment from God, you can't afford to let fear overcome you. The Bible says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a what? Power, love, and a what? Sound mind. So if fear is operating, if I am fearful about speaking to someone, if I am fearful about addressing an issue that needs to be addressed in the relationship that I'm in, whether it's a, a, a marital relationship, whether it's a parent-child relationship, whether or not it's a worker, co-worker, um, uh, manager, uh, employee, or owner of the company, uh, 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 IT person in relationship, whatever that relationship is, if I am fearful to say truth or to speak truth, that, that fear doesn't come from God. Fear comes from whom? The enemy. The devil tries to always get us to be fearful that what we say ain't going to matter, that what, if we say it, we're going to get in trouble, or if we say it, the relationship is going to become tattered or disrupted. But God didn't give you that spirit of fear. He gave you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So speak boldly. Everybody say speak boldly. God gives boldness. The Holy Spirit gives boldness. We said speak boldly for the Lord and be people of courage. Be people of courage. We got to be people of courage to speak truth during these troubled times that we live in. So first and foremost, God was encouraging Ezekiel and he's encouraging us today. Speak, amen, to people proclaim this message regardless of the kind of response expected. That's, 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 that's critical because here's what I discovered. I was talking to my brother-in-law just the other day. We, we were talking about the book that I read, and we, we, we preached a little sermon series on this, how to have a crucial conversation. Most people don't do crucial conversations very well. A crucial conversation is one where the stakes are pretty high, that the, 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 the opinions vary uh, very differently, and, 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 and there's a lot at stake with that decision, that discussion. People don't do that very well, so what most people do is they avoid having crucial conversations. Amen? They avoid them. Most married couples uh, uh, don't do crucial conversations very well, right? Guys, I know y'all moved upstairs, but is this mic still on? Okay, thank you, brothers. Most married couples don't do crucial conversations very well. We don't talk about the hard stuff. Yeah, thank you. I got, I got, I got, one, I got one person. In all honesty, most people don't do this very well, and so as a result, we tend to avoid it. Or when you do talk about it, you got one who's a hothead. And so because that's a, he, sometimes it's the man, a lot of times, and other time it's the woman who's a hothead. And when you go to talk about something that really to be talked about that's really, that's, that's really deep and it affects the, the effectiveness of the relationship, when the other is going to shout, cuss, fuss, what the other one does is says, I don't want that, so well, guess what? I'm not going to say anything about what I need to say about, but I'm not going to say it because you're going to holler at me. You're going to cuss and fuss, even though you say you're born again, but you're cussing. <laughs> now, I do believe this. Because you cuss don't mean you're not born again, but if you're born again and growing, you ought to stop cussing. Yeah. Can I get two amens in here? If you are a cusser, say Amen. 
I got you, Gwen. I got you, Gwen. No, no, no. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm literally being facetious, guys. I'm, I'm being facetious, okay? But guys, we have to learn to set the atmosphere so that we not, we're not fearful about speaking truth. We're not fearful about addressing issues in a God-honoring way. So God's people are to proclaim his message regardless of the kind of response expected. Go, go back to Ezekiel right quick and, and listen to what, again, what God, God said to him. Uh, go back to that third chapter, amen. Hallelujah. Go, to, go back to that third chapter and, and listen to this one more time. Uh, look, look back at verse 4. Verse 4 again, that third chapter. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Then he said, Son of man, go to the people of Israel and give them my messages. Next verse. I'm not sending you to a foreign people whose language you cannot understand. In other words, I'm, I'm sending you to your people. I'm sending you to people who have your same ethnicity, who are part of the chosen nation. Sometimes the most difficult people to talk to are those who are part of our family. Sometimes the most difficult people to talk to are those who look like us, if you know what I mean. Hello? He says here, I'm not sending you to a foreign people whose language you cannot understand. Verse 6, come on, let's go. No, I'm not sending you to people with strange and difficult speech. If I did, they would listen. People, I told you on last week, sometimes your children won't listen to you, but they listen to somebody else and come back and tell you what you told them five years ago. And then when they come back and tell you what you told them five years ago, now it's become revelation knowledge. Ooh, the Lord showed me. Well, baby, he showed you five years ago when your mom and, and I talked to you about that. We tell you Sandra about that, about that all the time. Sometimes Sandra will come back and, and she'll give us something that she's learned and she's excited about it. We look and say, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. I think we talked about that about three years ago, but she thought that, yeah, we were kind of off our rocker. <laughs> he says here, no, I'm not sending you to people with strange and difficult speech. If I did, they'd listen. Verse number seven says what? Let's go. But the people of Israel won't listen to you or any, any more than they listen to me, okay? For the, for the whole lot of them are hard-hearted and stubborn. People can be hard-hearted and stubborn, but you still have to preach the message. Look at number two, point number two. Let's go. Are you with me? Y'all ready to roll? All right. When we choose rebellion instead of obedience to God, inevitably judgment comes. Can we read it out loud together? It says what? When we choose rebellion instead of obedience to God, inevitably judgment comes. Again, look, 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 I shared this, I made a special note of this on last week. Remember this. Rebellion against proper authority reveals a deeper rejection of God's authority. Everybody say rebellion against proper authority reveals a deeper rejection of God's authority, which brings devastating consequences to our lives. Everybody say devastating. So in other words, God is a God of order. God is a God who, who, who created the, the world uh, uh, with order. And he, he sets authority in the earth realm. Okay? Uh, guys, I share with you, uh, all of us have some level of rebellion within us. 
That's why we're entitled this, it's time to live again. Because when we walk in rebellion, that situation becomes dead and it's not vibrant, it's not alive. You can't have life when you're walking in rebellion. Can I say it again? You cannot have life when you are walking in rebellion. And all of us have errors in our lives uh, where we have chosen not to do what we know to be right to do. James 4 and 17, remember we went over last week, James 4 and 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. So what is that saying? That means that I don't have to do something to commit sin. I cannot do something and commit sin. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him is what? Sin. So I, I don't have to do something to commit sin. I cannot do what I know I should do, and I'm walking in sin according to James 4 and 17. That's what the text says. James 4 and 17 says it. All right? So we've got we to realize that, uh, that, that, that it's important that we uh, realize that all of us have errors in our hearts and our lives where we have not allowed the truth of God's word to have a preeminent place. A preeminent place means that preeminence means having first place, and first authority. First place, everybody say first place, and first authority. There are pockets where we're not living. There are pockets where we are dead, like the dry bones in the valley. The dry bones symbolize the condition of God's people. Can these bones live again? Ezekiel said, God, you know. Now sometimes, you know, we, we, we have to go back and say and, and, and trust God because sometimes you can look at a situation and think it's dead, there's no hope. How many of y'all ever dealt with something you thought, well, you know, it, hey, I'm, I'm through? How many of y'all ever said it before? Come on, let me see it. How many of y'all ever said, I, I, I'm, I'm finished? I, <laughs> talk to the hand or do something. Just get, get out of my way. I'm not going to fool with that person again. It's dead. But, but think about this. Think about you who are sitting here right now. How many of you all lived in such a way at one point in time in your life, if we had caught you at that moment, we would have thought you were dead and ain't going to ever live again? Now, but, 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 but wait, maybe, maybe all y'all have been saved all your life. Maybe some of y'all in here never went through anything. Never, maybe some of y'all in here never uh, had a relationship that was dead and rightfully so should have been dead, but somebody showed you grace and mercy in the midst of your stuff. She should have left you. Yeah. See, as a matter of fact, okay. But God, amen, through that person showed you what forgiveness looks like. Showed you what unconditional love feels like because you didn't know it until you felt it. Amen. See, sometimes we don't know the love of God. We can't really uh, conceptualize the love of God until it's extended to us. That's why God wants us to show unconditional love. And not that kind of love that says, I love you if you love me. I love you as long as you don't hurt me. I love you as long as you do everything I say. Unconditional love says, you don't even deserve this, but you know what? I'm going to extend it to you. 
You don't deserve it, but I'm going to extend it to you. And then, see, see, that's, that's the kind of love that we have. See, there, all of us have been through some errors. All of us have errors and pockets in our life where we are, we've been dead to the, to, to the living word of God. And what God is saying to us, like he was telling Ezekiel to tell people, it's time to live again. It's time to wake up. It's time to resurrect that area where, where you, you haven't allowed God to speak to you. That the area where, where you, you kind of got your own little thing thing going. Come on. You got that own little something, something, something going and, and you don't even let God into that. As a matter of fact, you don't tell too many people about that because that's your little thing thing that you got going on. And, that's, and you, 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 you're allowing your flesh and you're allowing your way of thinking to, to take over that. And God said it's time to live again. It's time for you to let the word of God permeate your heart, take the scroll and swallow it, put it down on the inside so that you can begin to live in that area again. The word of God has a way of, of, of resurrecting dead areas in our life. Everybody says time to live again. Now watch this. Watch. I, I want to, I uh, the second point that we, that we gave here says that, that when we choose rebellion instead of obedience to God, inevitably judgment comes. So I want to I I take a look at uh, an, another scenario with God's people. Because if you study God's people, I mean, you know, God didn't pick them because they were, they were perfect. God didn't allow the Savior to come through uh, 42 generations to be born in the manger of Bethlehem, and all of his family was, was, was saints. When you look at the nation of Israel, consistently time and time and time again, they, 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 would, they would rebel against God. And then God, in his infinite love for them to get them back in the proper relationship with him, would allow some calamity, would send judgment to their lives so they can begin to look back up toward him. And he would bless them because they are his people. He wants a relationship with every last one of us, just like he wanted a relationship with the nation of Israel. But, they, but, then, but then things would go well, and then they would start, they would, they would be blessed, and blessings were flowing, and, and everything was good. Then they became complacent, and then they pulled away from God again. Similar to the pattern that many of us have in our lives. As long as things are going well, our prayer life is minuscule. But the moment we have to go through something, the moment a test comes in our life, we, we start to pray very fervently. We start to play very loudly, as if loudness is going to equal. Uh, uh, you know, the louder you pray don't mean that it's more effective. No, no. Please, Jesus. That don't move the hand of God. Now, you can, you can do it. If you pray that way, that's cool. But don't depend on your loudness and your, your fervency to get an answer to the prayer. God honors faith. God honors uh, 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 transparency when we're honest with him. Amen? Can I get a witness? So, so again, we, 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 God wants us to begin to live again. So watch this. Again, but rebellion will cause judgment to come. Uh, I, I want to take a look at Numbers, the 16th chapter. But before I get there, I got to show you the climate and the attitude that's leading up to that. Because in the 16th chapter of Numbers, some, 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 it, it, was, it was a very, to me, it was, it was a crazy thing that happened. But God brought it. I mean, the people brought it upon themselves. But before we get there, I, I, I look at 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse number 11, because this is very important. I share this all the time. As a matter of fact, I'll read it to you. It says this, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us to live at the end, uh, for those of us who live at the end of the age. These things happened to them. Who is them? To them, Israel. 
as example for who? Us? Who is us? New Testament believers, okay? The body of Christ, these things that happened to Israel were recorded in the scripture so that you and I could see the example. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Go with me to Romans, the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 4. Because I, I, I got to get, get this in because some people don't study Old Testament scripture. Some, some people say, I'm just New Testament. And I submit to you, you can't understand fully the New Testament without, first of all, having an appreciation and understanding of the Old Testament. Because the New Testament is chock full of references to the Old Testament. And if you haven't read the Old Testament, when the New Testament quotes it, you're not going to know what that means. So all Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture is given to, to, to help us to know how to live, to discern between right and wrong. So don't leave out the Old Testament uh, in your reading because it's critically important to understand where, 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 how God, amen, brought the Savior into the earth realm and how God utilized, amen, the nation of Israel to get the Savior into the earth realm. Now watch this, watch this Romans 15 chapter. The text says this. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. Now, this is Paul talking to the saints at Rome. And again, as I shared with you on Bible study tonight, he's talking to the church because when the church, which was a new institution at this time, uh, you, you have G Jews and Gentiles coming together into this new institution that's called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there was some friction because of, of upbringing, because of, of ways of doing things. So he says this, we who are strong must consider those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. Come on, let's read the next verse. It says what? We should help others. Come on, read it with me. We should help others what? And build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. Stop right there. See, if we're going to be God's man or woman in the earth, man, we got to stop living just to please ourselves. Look what it says, for even Christ didn't live to please himself, as the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen upon me. Okay, next verse, let's read. Such things, watch this, were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope. Watch this, now watch this, look at what it says. It says the scriptures give us what? And what? So if you don't have hope and you're discouraged all the time, I submit to you it's probably because you're not reading Scripture. You're not studying your Word. And so as a result, you try to handle life on your own. You try to use your intellect, your experiences, and God says my Word has the abilities to solidify you. It gives you hope and encouragement. It says Scripture gives us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So when we look back at the Old Testament, it should give us encouragement and hope, just like the New Testament scripture does, okay? So now go with me right quick. Let's look at, take a look at the attitude. Look at the disposition, because sometimes, guys, you know, when, when you're dealing with people or dealing with a situation, you think it's one thing, but it's something else. Um, Numbers 11 chapter, right quick. Come on, let's look at, look at, watch these complainers in Numbers 11 chapter. Numbers 11, verse number 1. Let's go there right quick. Are y'all there? Let's read. 
Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. And the Lord heard everything they said. Now this is God's people who were in captivity in Egypt for over 400 years. God sent a deliverer by the name of whom? Moses, to go down into Egypt and to tell Pharaoh what? Let my people go. Y'all remember Moses, right? Ten Commandments, Cecil B. DeMille's, Charlton Helson, if you don't read your Bible. You got to make it relevant if you don't read your Bible. Anybody remember that? Okay. All right. Ten Commandments. I remember I first saw the Ten Commandments, I was scared. I was a little boy and I saw Charlton Helson and I saw uh, all of the plays, the frogs and the the water turned to blood, but that, that movie scared me. But I, now that I read my Bible, it don't, it don't scare me. It's just God's word. Watch this, watch this. Okay, listen. Let's I digress. <laughs> and I will do that sometimes. Okay. <laughs> then the Lord's anger blazed against them. What, back up, why did the Lord's anger blaze against them? They, 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 the people began to complain about the, the, the hardship, and the Lord heard everything they said. The Lord heard Everything that you said. I mean, I mean, can we extrapolate? If he heard what they said, he hears everything that you said. He heard you when you talked about your pastor last week. Yeah, he heard that. Okay. Y'all been talking about me? Then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire to rage among them, and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Now, keep reading, verse 2, let's go. Then the people screamed to Moses for help. Now, this is the same Moses they complained about, okay? And when he prayed to the Lord, man, it's good to have one of God's friends in your midst. It's good to have somebody in your midst who has a connection with God. Because there are going to be some times in your life where you, you can't help yourself, but when somebody can get a prayer through to God, I want that person walking in covenant with me. Watch this, watch this now. Verse 3, come on, let's go. Uh, after that, the area was known as Tabar, which means the place of burning, because fire from the Lord had burned among them there. They were, they were, they were some complainers. Go to verse 4 through 6 right quick. They were also easily influenced by others. Watch this. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites, foreign rabble means stranger. They were not covenant people with God, but they were traveling with him. God had delivered them out of Egypt, taken them to the land of promise, and there were some, some, some stragglers, some tag alongs. How many of you know when, when you're going to where God is taking you and people can see the hand of God on your life, there are people who attach themselves to you. Now, again, they were walking with him. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites, now watch this began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also, also, after they heard the strangers complaining, now watch what they were complaining about. Listen, remember God did what? Rain down manna from heaven, right? Fed his people. He fed them manna from heaven. He fed them. They were not hungry, but it may not have been what they wanted, but they weren't hungry. Watch this, watch, now watch this now, again, the strangers start complaining. Listen to this. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. Yeah, pork chops, chicken, ribs, whatever. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Watch this. We remember the fish 
we used to eat for free in Egypt. Well, you, I, I'm mad you did eat for free. You were slave. <laughs> we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had all the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, onions, and garlic that we wanted. <laughs> Look at these folks, y'all. Come on, this is God people. Look at this verse. Come on, let's go. It says, but now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Manna in the morning. Manna in the evening. Manna late at night. Manna, 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 manna. I want some meat. I want some cucumbers. Now, now watch this. They started complaining, following the lead of the strangers who didn't have covenant with God. They said, we, we ate this stuff for free, but you, you were in, are, are you longing to go back to where you were enslaved? Are you longing to go back to your place of, 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 of captivity for some food? Glory to God. But our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. They were easily influenced by others. I'm talking about the attitude. They were complainers, and then they were easily influenced by others. Don't, listen, don't, don't jump in the Red River because your friend jumped in the Red River. Come on now. Don't drink the Hennessy because your buddy's drinking the Hennessy. Don't get into the gossip line because your sister is gossiper number one in the world. Holds the world record for the amount of stories she tells. Don't you jump into that too. Come on. So they were, they were, they were easily influenced. Now, look, look, look at verse 10. Jump out of verse 10 with me right quick. Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents whining. And the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. He was the leader of all these people, but he became aggravated. How many of you know you can frustrate your leadership? Amen. I got to move. That's a whole other sermon there. Your leadership in the church, you can frustrate your leadership in the home. And you can frustrate your leadership on the job. But God has a word for you. T- touch yourself and say, God, I got a word for me. All right, now watch this. Verse number 11. Come on, let's go. It says what? And Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Verse 12. Come on, let's go. It says what? Did I give birth to them? You got to understand that Moses was called a friend of God. And see, when you're friends with God, you can, you, you can kind of go off a little bit and say, God, God, why? why? Not that he's questioning God's sovereignty. He knows who God is. But Moses is kind of having a little pity part here. And, and so, so he, he, he talks to God this way. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. I've I, I learned that be real with God. Be honest. If you're frustrated, say, God, listen, this woman you gave me, like Adam, Remember Adam in the garden? Adam started to shift that blame and said, God, the woman you gave me, she took the fruit and gave it to me. Yeah. I hear some husbands say, God, the woman you gave me, that's why I'm, that's why I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you, girl. Yeah, I love you. 
Watch, watch. Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing, nursing, nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Look at verse 13. Let's go. Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They were complaining about the feet, the meat, right? Remember, they didn't want man anymore. They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. Look at the next verse. Come on. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. Verse 15, if this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. <laughs> Guys, Moses was suicidal here. Dealing with people will sometimes make you want to just... <laughs> Look at what the text says. He says, if this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Moses was suicidal. Go to, go to Numbers, the 12th chapter. Watch this, watch this. Let's give me you a little take before I get to the 16th chapter of Numbers. And guys, I mean, I, I'm walking through this, and I know my, your outline says I'm supposed to complete all this today. And I don't know if I will, but you know what? I'm going to be free. And if we have to do part three, we're going to do part three. I did good the last series. The last series, y'all give me a hand for the last series. Okay. The last series, we hit every point and went through it, and we're no part two, three of it. But somebody need to hear this. Now watch it. Numbers, the 12th chapter. Watch this. Watch the people. Now, here are kinfolk, y'all. Hey, brothers and sisters. Numbers, 12th chapter, verse number one. Watch this. I'm talking about the attitude of the people before I even get to 16. Because some of this leads up to this stuff. While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses. Why? <laughs> he married a Cushite woman. He married, the KJV says, Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. It, 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 the Bible repeats it again to emphasize the point that they were coming at him because he had married a black woman. Had a little tinge of racism in the family. Like I, I got a question for you. I, got, I have a question for you in this place. Because if we're going to go with God, we got to go with God all the way. We can't halfway do it. We can't, we can't take some of this stuff and say, well, okay, I'm, 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 I'm going to be with you on that, God, but I'm going to be dead in this area. Some of y'all right now, I'm looking at you, not, not individually, but what if your son decided to marry a Caucasian lady and you're African-American? What if your daughter decided to marry a Caucasian young man? He's saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Loves God, loves Jesus, knows family, loves your daughter. What you going to say? I, I, listen, I have a lot of uh, pastor friends who, and, and, and they listen to my radio broadcast. So I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm saying this. We talk about stuff like this. And I, I, we, we were talking about racism one time. And I, I said, brother, I said, here's the true test of whether or not you don't see color. I said, we can talk about all we want to talk about and say that what we don't do, you know, we love God, we love all people. But I want to know, what are you going to say 
if your daughter comes home and she brings Jerome home. Now, here's what I said. I said, the true test of whether or not you really believe this Bible like you say as it relates to uh, looking at people not based on the outward appearance is if your daughter comes home and says, I want to marry someone who's a different race than she is, how do you respond? As a matter of fact, look, how, what are you thinking right now as I'm saying this? Check your own self out. Because here's what some of y'all do. Well, you know, uh, and here's a, here, I'm not going to say stupid because Doris told me don't say stupid. I'm not going <laughs> to this, this, this is <laughs> mentally deficient or whatever. People will say, well, you know, you know, I ain't got no problem with no, you know, you marry nobody, but you know what? I, I, I'm against it because it's going to be rough on y'all. It's rough on you. And you marry somebody that look like you. Just, just, that's some dumb stuff. Sometimes we say some dumb stuff, including me, so I'm not throwing out anybody. Sometimes I say, ask my wife, sometimes I say some dumb stuff. While they were, I'm giving you the attitude and the mentality of the people of God, and you're going to see some serious rebellion in Romans 16 chapter. It says, while they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. Verse 2. So again, if you're sitting there and you got a problem with your child marrying somebody that don't look like you, you have a problem with God. And you, you may not know it, but you have a problem with God. Because the one criteria should be, be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I want to know what they say. I don't, care, I don't care what kind of job they got. He needs to have one, yes. I got two beautiful daughters. Think the word of them. One's already married. One's not. The one that's married, your husband got a job. There he is back there. He's been, he's been gainfully employed for, he's teaching and coaching. All right? Sandra, one day when you get married, wherever you may be, I'm not speaking it on you. But if it comes, amen. Yes. But he needs to have a job. Right? Saved, know Jesus, and gainfully they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? No, check these folks out. Now, has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Has, talk about rebellion, guys. Because look at your outline. What, what did I tell you? I said rebellion against proper authority reveals a deeper rejection of God's authority, which brings devastating consequences in our lives. Sometimes you... Sometimes you're dealing with stuff you don't have to deal with because you don't understand how to respect authority. Sometimes, you, 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 even on, in your place of employment, some of y'all are dealing with stuff that you don't have to deal with because you don't know how to respect authority that you may not agree with. Just because you don't agree with it don't change the fact that God says you got to respect that authority. It would be better for you to change jobs than to stay there and buck authority. Because when you buck authority, 
that's God-ordained authority, and we're talking about what, what those God-ordained authorities are, then you, you go, you'll be outside the will of God. Amen? But, but let's keep reading. They, they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard him. Everybody said, mm. The Lord heard them. Now, Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Come on, let's go. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and he heard him, y'all. He heard him fronting Moses, their brother, because of whom? The Ethiopian woman who he married, the Bible says. They did it because of that. But even beyond that, guys, it, it went a little bit deeper than that. People often argue over minor disagreements and leaving the real issue untouched. And this was the case with Miriam and Aaron uh, when it came to Moses, when they came to Moses with their complaint. The real issue was their, their growing jealousy of Moses' position and influence. And, and since they couldn't find fault with the way Moses was leading the people, they chose to criticize his wife. Some folk don't like you or they'll start to criticize your children, your wife, your husband, because they don't, you know, they can't find fault in how you're leading, so they'll come after stuff that's close to you. That's what the enemy does. Oh, y'all listen to me today. So, so rather than face the problem head on by dealing with their, with their envy and pride, they chose to create a diversion from the real issue. They diverted from the real issue. When you are in a disagreement, stop and ask yourself if you are arguing over the real issue or if you have introduced a smokescreen by attacking someone's character. Sometimes you, 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 get, to, you get tired of arguing about an hour later. You're like, what are we arguing about? It's because people introduce stuff in to divert. Deal with real issues. If you are unjustly criticized, remember that your critics may be afraid to face the real problem. And that's what happened, guys. Okay? So he says, so immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So three of them went to the tabernacle. And God said, go, you go, right? Come on, let's read it. So it says what? Uh, next verse. Then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. Now here God getting ready to deal with their, their, little, their little rebellion. Because Moses was the leader and so now they're challenging. Moses said, does God only speak through you? Here's what some of y'all do. Pastor ain't the only somebody the Lord talked to. I read my Bible too. I'm spiritual too. I pray that you are. I pray that you do read your Bible. But, but, but when it comes to leadership, we have to learn how to respect and to walk under the authority of those who God has placed us upon the guys. <laughs> And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, will reveal myself in visions. I will speak to them in dreams. Look at verse 7. Let's read this. Watch this. But not with my, my servant Moses. Look at what he says. Of all my house, he's the one I trust. And y'all messing with him. This is God. Now watch this. Next verse, come on. He says, I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He said, me and Moses sit down, we talk. We, I, I, there ain't no vision, ain't no riddles, ain't no parables. We talk face to face. He says, he sees the Lord as he is. 
This is God telling Miriam Aaron about his servant Moses. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Look at God. God is, God is having a conversation with them because they got out of line. They were rebellious. He said, now listen, I got some other prophets, and I speak to them in riddles and parables and all that, but Moses, I speak to them face to face. You should have been afraid to come and do what you did to him. Talking about, he married a black woman. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There are people who are racist, but you, you can't cancel out racism by being racist yourself. All right? Deal with issues, but you can't afford to allow what others do and how others see you or hate you to cause you to hate. Man, Dr. King had it right. Dr. King had it right. Come on now. It, it, we, love is going to change this thing. Not reverse hate. Come on. Just, I speak to him face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Come on, let's next verse. Let's go. The Lord was very angry with them and he departed. Now, do you think God was through with this? Not by any stretch of the imagination. Because they watch, watch what happened. Watch this, guys. As the cloud moved from the, above the tabernacle, because I told you, when you're disobedient to God, inevitably judgment is going to come. When you rebel against God, judgment comes. You rebel against God's authority, you rebel against God. As the cloud moved from above the temple, there, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, her sister now, look at the next verse. He cried out to Moses, oh, my master. Now he's, now he's your master. He's your master now, but a while ago you were, you were, you were coming down on hard. God, does God only speak through you? Oh, my master, please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. Next verse. Come on, let's go. So, don't let her be like a stillborn baby already decayed at birth. Verse 13. So Moses cried out to the Lord, oh God, I beg you, please heal him. Isn't this an awesome man of God? When people were talking about him, when they were coming against him, they were complaining, Moses wanted to kill himself. But at the same time, when they cried out for mercy, guess what? He extended mercy. See, in your own life, guys, there are going to be some times when people who did you bad, going to need your help. And when they need your help, the, the, the purity of your heart will be borne out when you have to help somebody who you know tried to hurt you. When you have to help somebody. I guess, guys, I've experienced this as a pastor. When you try to help somebody who you know been talking about you. But when God's in your heart, you do what Moses did. Oh, God, I beg you, please heal her. And, and, and to make a long story short, for a period of time, I think it was seven days, she, she was headed outside the camp and then her, her leprosy got healed. Because the man of God interceded for it. But get, get back, get back. That was their attitude. Now go, go to Numbers, the 16th chapter. Numbers 16. And look in your outline. Guys, one of the things that we got to do, you say, well, Pastor, you're talking about that. Uh, wh what do we need to do? Well, we got to replace an attitude of rebellion with an attitude of submission. With an attitude of submission. Numbers 16 chapter. This one. An attitude of submission. We got to replace it. And see all those principles there will not be covered today. But you do have it. You do have it. Replacing attitude of rebellion 
with an attitude of submission. Y'all got that? Number 16. Here, and I'm going to paraphrase. Number 16, your Bible probably has a subtitle of Rebellion in the Camp or the Rebellion, Korah's Rebellion, whatever, the number 16 chapter. Um, when you look at this, during the events, let me just paraphrase it, okay? In Romans, six, Numbers, the 16th chapter, you can go to verse number one. Um, Moses, Moses was more than 80 years old at this time, and he was a proven leader, though certainly not a perfect leader. And I, no leader is perfect, guys. If you're waiting to elect a perfect leader, you ain't going to elect nobody. If, you, if, you, if you're waiting to follow somebody who, who don't make mistakes, you're not going to follow anybody. Amen? A good leader will acknowledge his mistakes. A good leader will, will, will say that, you know, hey, bad, bad decision. Let's don't do that again. All right? Uh, but, but again, he was 80 years old, proven leader. Uh, and, and, you know, some of his faults were, you know, he, he was complaining about, kill me, Lord, because I don't want to fool these people. But he was humble, and he was successful. And the, the, the people's murmuring was often against Moses, but that failure wasn't his fault. They murmured against Moses, but they really wanted to talk, murmur against God. How many of you know sometimes people would come at you, but they're really mad at God? And so, so a group of men led by Korah got together and began a revolt. Look at what the text says in Numbers. It says, one day Korah, son of Israel, a descendant of Kostat, son of Levi, conspired with Dothan and Abraham, the sons of Eliab, and, and, and On, son of Pethel, from the tribe of, of Reuben. Look at this. It says, they, they, incited, they incited a rebellion against Moses. Now, I want, I want to ask you a question. If Miriam was struck with leprosy because she and Aaron challenged Moses because of his Ethiopian wife and because they were jealous of his position, what do you think will happen to these dudes right here? The text says this, uh, along with 250 other leaders of the community, 250 other leaders, all prominent members of the assembly, verse 3 says this, they united against Moses and Aaron and said, you've gone too far. The whole community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord and he is with all of us. What right do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? They're just leading, guys. Some of y'all think that way, too. I'm praying for you, though. Verse 4. I mean, just a few of you. Okay. When Moses heard what they were saying, he fell, he fell face down on the ground. Verse 5, come on. Then he said to Kara and his followers, tomorrow morning the Lord will show us who belongs to him and who is, who is holy. Now, let, let me clue you in something as we get ready to close. Whenever a man of God says something like this, you, you start running and say, no, nah, you ain't got to show me nothing. Because <laughs> look at what he says. Tomorrow morning, the Lord will show us who belongs to him and who is holy. The Lord will allow only those whom he selects to enter his own presence. Next verse says what? Uh, Korah, you and all your followers must prepare your incense burner. So now the incense burner was... Uh, it had a little pan on the end of a rod, and they would take the coals and put the hot coals in there, and then they would go into the place, and then they would add incense to it to make it smell fruity and all that kind of stuff, okay? So to make a long story short, what happened was Moses, you know, Moses prayed, and God, God said, well, we're going to see who's the real deal. And so when they went in with the incense burner, then 
God opened up the, the earth and swallowed those folks up who were false, who were rebelling, those community leaders who came to rebel against Moses and Aaron. Guys, leadership is important. And understanding authority is very important. Rebellion against leadership will cause you to enter into a place where God has to deal with you and bring judgment. So we've got to replace an attitude of rebellion with an attitude of submission. And we'll look at 1 Peter, the second chapter, and we'll talk about those principles of submission on next week. Because I don't want to leave you there, because you know people who have a rebellious attitude, and you have, all of us have rebellious attitudes in various areas of our life, but we've got to replace that with an attitude of submission. And we'll talk about those principles of submission on next week. Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.